When it's cold and when it's dark, the freezing moon can obsess you. Welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. Sorry for the uh, relative absence from uh, from all of this. Been working real hard at the Metal Matters podcast. Um, trying to get that stuff on a weekly basis is definitely um, you know sort of a grind. So uh, thanks for hanging in there. And um, still trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to be doing all this stuff since a lot of the music related stuff is going to be on Metal Matters. Got some stuff planned. Maybe I'll start doing these on Sundays or something like that and have them out for Monday. I hate to, you know, sort of compete against myself since Metal Matters comes out on Tuesdays. So maybe I'll record on Sunday, get these things up on Thursdays, and try to do two to three a month of non-music content. It won't be interviews. It'll be, at least if it's music-related, it won't be an interview. It'll be some commentary about something going on in music. But... With that in mind, today's episode is going to be a review of the Lords of Chaos film that was released a couple weeks ago. And I know a lot of you guys out there probably either aren't going to see it for just, you know, basic principles or have seen it and have your own opinions and thoughts about it. And if you do, please feel free to comment on it. You know, send me your information, you know, like send me your thoughts, uh, you know, either as a comment on Instagram or on Facebook or you can hit me up, um, you know, by email. You know, there'll be mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, Facebook directly, Michael Hill. Um, there's the Everything Went Black Facebook page. And then there's also Instagram. And on Instagram, I'm the alleged Mike Hill. I know I've been changing my tag a lot. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I've got to think of something witty, some sort of name that has a little bit of humor, you know, trying to. Lighten, lighten the mood these last few weeks, the last couple months. And uh, with that said, I got some tombs-related news ahead. Uh, we have an upcoming appearance at the Decibel Metal and Beer Festival. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really excited to be playing another Decibel-sponsored event. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We're playing with obituary uh, exhorters playing the same day that we're playing, which I'm excited about. Uh, Trypticon is playing the next day, which, um, I'm probably going to try to hang out and watch them because I, you know, it's Tom G warrior. I saw Trypticon play, um, when they came to the States on their first tour with a 1349 opening for them. And it was, uh, it was amazing. And I love the Trypticon records and, you know, it would just be cool to see them play in like a big theater, big sort of, you know, venue type of setting as, uh, you know, wherever the beer festival is going to be. Also, Tombs is going to be recording an EP in June. It's going to be five songs. Uh, We're going to be self-producing and self-releasing it. And it's going to be available digitally through our Bandcamp page. And 
Also, physical copies will be available through Holy Mountain. For those of you who have checked out All Empires Fall, I feel like some of our better output has happened on the EPs. That particularly, I think it's like five songs short. You have like a limited amount of space to work with, so you want to make everything count. And um, and yeah, so it's you know new material, obviously. Um, it's the new lineup. And um, so yeah, I'm real excited about it. Anyone who's seen us play at the end of last year, these are the guys that are going to be on the, uh, the new record and all this sort of touring stuff we got coming up. So yeah, I'm real excited about that. I've uh, been practicing really hard, working on lyrics, which is always the hardest thing for me, is to put words together. And, um, and that's, uh, that's about all we got going on. So on to this new movie here. Jonas Ackerland. Well, I don't know if you pronounce it Hannes Ackerland. I'm not sure. 2018 film based on the Lords of Chaos novel by Michael Moynihan and Didrik Soderlund. That book came out back in 1998, and it was uh, published by Feral House. And um, so this, uh, allegedly, this uh, thing has been in the works for about 20 years. And um, I don't know, it's, uh, it's not exactly based on the book because it only really focuses on the story of mayhem and Varg and the, the drama between Mar- Varg and Euronymous and, um, you know, the murders surrounding that, and church burnings. And so, you know, it's, when I originally heard that there was going to be a Lords of Chaos book, I was like, what is this going to be, like a documentary about black metal, about the second wave of, Norwe- second wave of black metal in Norway? Or was, and then when I ha- found out that it was going to be a narrative, I was kind of confused by that. And, um, and then when I found out that it was a narrative with actors, with American, mostly American actors, playing um, you know, key black metal figures, I became very dubious about the whole thing. So I've been hearing stirrings of this whole thing you know, for the last uh, couple of decades, and I never really thought this thing would actually come into existence, but lo and behold, it was released earlier this month. And uh, I'd heard about some of the film festival stuff that was going on, and people who had seen it in advance gave it good reviews. They were like, oh yeah, it's interesting, very intense the, uh, they keep it real when it comes to the violence. And, um, you know, it's a borderline horror film violence, which I was like, I'm always a fan of that. And I actually have seen it listed somewhere online. Someone listed this film as a 2018 horror film based on the lives of, uh, you know, black metal, Norwegian black metal key participants. So I wouldn't say it's a horror film. I would say it's a darkly humored drama. And the humor element is really what I have the most, uh, you know, sort of problem with. And, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get into that. But anyway, I started seeing trailers in January. And that's when I started getting worried and concerned. The trailers definitely did not move me to have a positive opinion about what I might be seeing. Um, I don't know. The whole thing just seemed very true. It seemed to trivialize what actually happened. And if you really think about the the story of Euronymous and Varg and also Bard Faust and Dead, it's a very intense, heavy storyline. And um, I think that to, you know, have a sort of lightness to that, I think is, um, 
sort of a, a disservice to the people involved. So that was that was my first, you know, warning sign of this film. So I went. We went to go see the film at um, the Alamo in Brooklyn, and uh, you know, I I knew that there was going to be a you know some regular people there. I, I was glad to see that there were some black metal fans uh, showing up, and uh, you know, there were just some normal folks, you know, people who I tend to um, try to avoid in my regular life. And at the Alamo, if you've never been, you actually purchase your seats. So I was able to pick my seat. So I picked the seat in the back row in the corner where I was surrounded by people I knew and I didn't have to really be near any of these regular citizens. So I was kind of isolated, you know, insulated from the rest of the crowd that was there. And uh, that, that made me happy. So let me talk about what I didn't like about the film. You know, I mentioned that there was a, a sort of humorous element to it. And, um, you know, that, that, that can be looked at as two ways. I mean, it's sort of the reality is these guys were young guys. They were in their, you know, 18, 19 years old at the time, 20. Um, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, young people uh, were a lot different than they are these days. There was no social media, um, a place like, you know, Oslo or Bergen, Norway, uh, was really remote and cut off from everything. And uh, the world was a bigger place than it is now. So basically these Norwegian guys were these kind of like rednecky, you know, delinquents really, you know. I mean, as I'm trying to put this in a, uh, in a in plain, you know, plain talk here. And um, that was very that was portrayed very well you know it, it's the ideologies and the philosophies and the sort of mystique was created i think after the fact and they were just these normal regular kids obsessed with like some of the darker things like a tip any typical metalheads were or people that are into like you know the fringes you know what i mean it's just horror films heavy metal reading about serial killers you know reading about uh, satanism like that sort of stuff was um you know fascinations that I had at that age so uh these kids were no different um you know they weren't very good musicians initially similar to punk rockers were you know in the the 80s so I think that's where that element sort of I mean you know heavy metal and you know has always been about being able to play like guitar solos all the way back to Jimmy Page you know ripping guitar solos you know then Judas Priest and then Iron Maiden you know it was like technical proficiency I'm I'm probably boring you guys because if you are listening to this podcast, you already know about black metal, and you know that the the vibe and the feel and the atmosphere is more about the music is more about that than actual playing. Even though there's are there are a lot of great players that are involved in that style of music. So the humor really kind of put me off a little bit. Um, I, I would prefer it to have a little bit more of a uh, sober tone to the whole thing. You know, I guess really at the end of the day, I would rather watch the documentary about that. I would rather have seen uh, interviews. I would rather have seen, um, you know, any kind of existing footage of the bands performing live, uh, you know, voiceovers, still photography. That would have been more interesting to me than an actual scripted narrative with actors portraying these guys. So anyway, I'm jumping ahead. Let's talk about the cast cast was Rory Culkin as Geronimus 
Emery Cohen played Varg Vickerness or War Wickerness. Jack Kilmer, Val Kilmer's son, played Dead. Walter Skarsgård played Faust. And then there's some other people in the film too, which but these are the main players of the, uh, you know, the, they're, the, story, the story revolves around these guys. And Walter Skarsgård is one of the Skarsgård brothers, you know, gigantic Norwegian guys. You can see in the film that this dude towers over everyone. And uh, I always get a kick out of those guys. Great actors, by the way. Um, actually, before I saw the film, there was a, uh, a video that Varg posted, and he was very upset by the movie. Uh, he was upset mostly that a Jewish guy was playing him. And on some level, I wonder if uh, the filmmaker, um, you know, really <laughs> wanted to piss off Varg. Obviously, Varg is a huge anti-Semite, um, has, uh, you know, racist ideologies and is essentially, uh, you know, a neo-Nazi. Uh, now, let me let me address that real quick before anyone from uh, Metal Sucks uh, tries to crucify me or Antifa tries to, uh, pr- you know, protest the next Tomb show. Um, I do not support War Rickerness's uh, political views or his uh, anti-Semitism or racist ideologies. However, I believe that Burzum has produced, that War Wickerness as Burzum has produced important music. You know, similar to other artists out there who have controversial political ideas and, you know, might, might be misogynists, might be misanthropic, yet their art actually has impacted culture. And I feel that Burzum has put in, you know, impacted extreme music culture in a very profound way. And that does not make me a fascist, that does not make me a neo-Nazi, that does not make me a Nazi sympathizer, that doesn't make me a homophobe, that does not make me a misogynist, that doesn't make me any of the things that are being thrown around, a Nazi, any of these things. You know, all these terms are being thrown around very uh, irresponsibly these days. And um, I just wanted to go out on the record and say these things, that I have pretty much all the Burzum records. I think the music is important. I do not support his ideologies. So I said it. I like Burzum, but I'm not an anti-Semite. Some people out there may have a problem with that. If so, I welcome the discussion. So the movie was directed by, um, I said I mentioned uh, Giannis or Hannes or Jonas Ackerlund. I'm not exactly sure of the pronunciation. And he was a former member of uh, Bathory from, I think, 83 to 84. Um, since then, he has uh, launched a uh, very prolific uh, career as a director, primarily of music videos. Uh, he's got Ramstein, Madonna, Lady Gaga, Metallica, Ozzy. And then he also directed, and I'm not sure if he wrote this film, but the film Spun, which, um, depending on the, on the mood that I'm in, um, is I either enjoy it or I can't stand watching it. It's got this like twitchy sort of uh, methed out sort of vibe to it, which, you know, coincidentally the movie is about a bunch of meth heads. But I feel like that, that sort of technique that he uses in filmmaking is prevalent through all of his other work. And that real cutty, 
sort of editing technique has been applied to this movie, which I don't really, uh, I don't think it serves the film as well as, as I would have liked. So, you know, so that, that's something that I don't really like about the movie. Um, you know, I mentioned that I didn't like the way it trivialized this really intense story. Um, I think that maybe a better, more fitting director would have been Jim Van Bever. You know, a guy that I've, you know, respect him, huge fan of his films for decades at this point. Um, you know, he did a film about the Manson family a number of years ago, and it took him 10 years to make the movie. <clears throat> I have a, um, you know, some kind of deluxe DVD uh, version of the film, and there's an extended interview with him. And he was talking about, and I think that he had a very healthy approach to the subject matter that he felt it was his duty to portray the, um, you know, Tex Watts and Charles Manson, Squeaky Frome, Susan Atkins, like all these people in, in, a, uh, in a factual way without trying to uh, worship them as these kind of uh, outlaw heroes. He went on record to say that he thinks that murder is a terrible thing and that these people should not be looked up to and they should be worshipped and they should not be... Um, thought of as heroes in any way or role models and um with that in mind the death scene of sharon tate and uh abigail folger and wojciech Furkowski in the film was shown almost in real time and in a brutal excruciating detail and he said that he didn't want to it wasn't sensational he wasn't trying to sensationalize the murders but he was trying to portray the murders as an incredibly horrible thing that a human, human beings did to each other. Now, I think that stuck in my mind, uh, you know, that was very profound to me. And I was thinking about this after I'd seen Lloyd's Chaos film, that the, the murders were actually very brutal. They were, you know, they were uncomfortable to watch. Um, you know, they were, they were very, uh, they, there was nothing glamorous about it. There was no, uh, it was sad, like especially the, the, the murder of Euronymous. I mean, I'm not spoiling this film because everyone probably knows the story. You know, obviously Euronymous is a real guy. Everyone knows he was murdered by, by War Wickerness and that's not, that's public knowledge. So I'm not spoiling the film, but it's shown in very brutal detail. And that was, is what made me think about Jim Van Bever. I think that a guy like him who no one would, I mean, you know, his films are generally made on no budget and there's really no actors of note in those films. They're all just people that he has direct, that he knows, you know, that he just has direct, such a great director that he can get incredible performances out of pretty much anybody. So I will always would have loved to have seen what Van Beber could have done with a budget with actual actors who have, um, you know, abilities and skills and experience acting in films and this would have been a great film to see what he would have done with the subject matter. And I know that Van Beber is, a, you know, an extreme music fan. He's a fan of metal. He's a metalhead. And I'm sure that he's well familiar with all this uh, material. And it would have been interesting to see how he treated this thing. Because all of his films do have, there's a little bit of, of humor. There's like some darkness, but it, it, they're hard-hitting films. You know, at times they're very sensational, yeah. But the Manson film was not sensational, I felt. I felt that it was like a bleak portrayal of what actually happened. And I would like to have seen this subject matter, this material, 
dealt with in a similar way. So, yeah, that's what I didn't like about the movie. Um, you know, dur- during the film, while I was watching it, when uh, Euronymous was getting stabbed to death, <laughs> you know, someone, someone uh, laughed. And I thought that was an incredibly poor taste. They laughed. And this voice from nowhere came out and said, shut the fuck up. And I was like, pretty happy about that because I really don't think that it was an appropriate place in the film to, um, to laugh, you know. And obviously it was probably from one of these like, you know, normal people, these regular citizens that want to get crazy on a, on a Saturday night and, you know, check out this crazy movie about these guys who burn churches down and, and uh, you know, murder each other and play this crazy music. And um, I just felt like, and I know I'm projecting a lot of this in, this in this day of the Me Too movement and this hypersensitivity about everything, that someone would laugh at something that actually happened, that actually was a historical moment and someone lost their life. Someone who, um, you know, for, for better or for worse, whatever you think about black metal or it's the music itself, who actually did create was instrumental in creating a new style of music, you know, and and whether or not he was a good person or not, he was still murdered by a guy who was allegedly a friend of his, you know, and, um, you know, they had personal differences, but none of it, he did not deserve to be killed, I thought, you know, and that's just my opinion. I don't know any of these people. I know the stories. I've read the articles. I've read the books. I enjoy the music, and that's basically it, but that's my opinion. Now, as a result of this, um, you know, this movie may empower certain citizens of the world who know nothing about black metal and think, empower them into thinking that they do know something about this culture, which, you know, this movie, is a, it's, 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 it's a false gateway into a world that they probably won't understand. So, you know, I don't know. That, that's, um, I don't want to be elitist about it, but I would th- rather there be a different gateway into that world than this film. You know, for example, I keep going back to the documentary. I think that if it was a documentary, then people who were genuinely interested in this film, in this sort of thing, would watch the documentary and then maybe, you know, do some reading, check out some records, you know, and, th- and that's how they would, that would be their entry point rather than this uh, sensational film with, uh, you know, clever editing and uh, well-known, you know, fairly well-known actors in it. And, um, you know, there's like this sheen of, and I know that Vice put this out, so there is, there, there is the sheen of the Vice feel to this film, which I find a little distasteful. So that, be that as it may, um, also added to my, to the, one of the things I didn't like about the movie. Um, what I liked is that it followed the story pretty closely. I mean, if you read Lords of Chaos, um, there's actually some quotes that made it into the film. Um, and surprisingly, I really liked the musical reenactments, the you know the live lip syncing parts. I thought were, were I got sort of uh, I thought they were interesting. I thought it was cool. I mean, especially there's a part where um, you know Mayhem was playing funeral fog and there was this dude that was supposed to be Attila. And I thought that was kind of, was kind of cool. You know, the murder scene was very brutal. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was different than watching a horror film. It was different than watching, you know, 
frontiers or uh, inside or something like that where there's like you know pregnant women getting their babies ripped out of them it was different than that um, it was stabbing very intimate way of killing someone there was a storyline like you knew the real people you knew that this actually happened you know there was uh, the scene where Faust uh, murdered the gay guy out in the woods there was the scene where dead killed himself and that scene I thought was very intense because it's 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 exactly how I imagined it would be. You know, once I you know, I, as a young man, I read about um, Dead and Mayhem and how he killed himself, and it's a, it's kind of an interesting story. And and I do wish that they actually would have spent more time delving into his character as well. But hey, the movie would have been three hours long, and me, who knows who would have wanted to sit through a three-hour film devoted to Mayhem. You know, maybe there's some other weirdos out there. Maybe there's a director's cut that'll have it. Maybe it'll be an extra or something like that. Um, so that's what I liked about it. You know, and ironic, there, there's, there is an irony to earlier. I said that it's sort of, uh, you know, human humanized these characters and sort of demystified the black metal sort of vibe, you know? And, and like I was saying, it portrayed them as these like, you know, kind of misled, like 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids uh, living in a remote country that is kind of cut off from a lot of things. Um, you know, it's, uh, most people here, I believe, are probably not into, you know, Christianity and, you know, Norway and Scandinavia in general is a, is a heavily Catholic country, similar to Poland. Maybe not as extreme as Poland, but you know the catholic religion is it's uh it's not a very secular society they live in you know that's something that americans i think well how come these people are burning the churches down well you know maybe that sort of feeling of the oppressiveness is what motivated these young people to want to embrace freedom you know what i mean and and you know satanism you know the 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 pagan ways of Norse mythology, what it was probably an alternative to uh, the oppressive Catholic, no fun, rules, bland society they lived in. And that wasn't really talked about as much as I would have liked to in the film. I mean, you know, once again, maybe I'm giving these guys too much credit. Maybe the only guy who really thought that way was Varg, you know, and, we, and the film definitely painted him in a negative light. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they could have put a little bit more complexity into that character. So I don't know. That's uh, another commentary that I have about it. And um, in general, um, I feel like I've read somewhere online that Fenris and Mayhem have gone public and expressed their disinterest or their their, their distaste of the film, which I totally understand because. Uh, it's about, essentially, it's about them. I mean, you know, if someone made a, uh, a film about me and I would, there's no possible way they would be able to get it right, you know? So, yeah, I, I get it. And they, but the one thing they did claim, there's a Rolling Stone article where uh, Necro, Necro Butcher indicated that they were never directly contacted about the use of their music um, in, 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 the, in, the, um, in, the, in the movie. You know, I found that odd. I mean, that... There's money associated with using other licensing, licensing music. So I don't know. You know, maybe he wasn't there that day or something. But you really can't use someone else's music legally 
uh, without getting someone to sign off on it, you know, on the publishing end. Uh, so anyway, anyway, the Ackerland maintains that he contacted everyone um, except for uh, Varg. And his reasoning for that is that Varg's, uh, you know, story is public record because it's been written about in, in the journalism, you know, and papers and whatever. The news has, has picked up his story. So it's public record. So that's, um, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know what the laws are in Norway about, uh, you know, any of that business. But anyway, it's, uh, it was interesting. At the end of the day, I think I left the film feeling 50-50 about it. At the, that night, I remember being like, eh, it was better than I thought it was. It was better than the, um, you know, the trailers led on to be. Um, but, you know, it wasn't good, you know, in a way. But as time went on, I kind of feel like I, I enjoyed it as entertainment, factual-based entertainment. And that's pretty much it. You know, I don't I don't see this as like, you know, a, a movie that's going to change anything or that's going to like, you know, go down as a classic or anything like that. Um, you know, I go into these things with low expectations because I've never liked any of these biopics that uh, come out. I mean, I remember watching the Joy Division biopic Closer and I rented that. And I also, the same day, I rented a, a documentary about Joy Division and I enjoyed the documentary way more because it actually had interviews of Peter Hook and all these, you know, the members of the band and footage of them performing and all that sort of stuff. And I would rather watch that than watch some people pretend to be Joy Division. So I take everything with a grain of salt. It was a film. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, you know, probably wait for it to come out on, um, on one of these, you know, streaming services or something like that, because, you know, movies these days are very expensive and, uh, you know, I, I, and then, you know, and you got to be around other people. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it has a, ma- in, in some cities, it had a mainstream release. So there's going to be some mainstream motherfuckers that are going to show up. Like, you know, especially in Brooklyn, where every third person probably needs to get smacked. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, unfortunately, you know, that's kind of the, the way things go out here. Uh, maybe the town you live in is a little bit cooler than that. And, you know, maybe, there's uh, there'll be some showings where you know you and your friends can get together on mass and go out, have a couple beers, enjoy the film, and then just uh, have a good time. And that's really all this movie is good for. Really, it's just a, a night out. You know, there's some cool stuff in there. It doesn't really tell you anything you don't know. Um, if you've never heard of black metal, I think that maybe what you should do is read Lords of Chaos as opposed to see the film, and. Um, learn about the the music and the culture that way as opposed to watching this uh you know whatever 120 minute version of it or 90 minute version of something that has been has had decades of history associated with it so with all that said um that's the show and uh i'll see you guys soon thanks for hanging in there with this i promise that stuff's going to change there'll be more episodes Uh, For any of you guys out there on Patreon, I got more stuff coming to you. I just kind of in a transitional period right now and um, working on some bonus material. So hang tight. Uh, Definitely appreciate all the support. And um, I'll see you guys out on the road. And you'll hear from me in a couple weeks when I have a new episode. Cheers. (laughs) 